This podcast is made possible by Sage Intact and U.S. Bank. Hello, this is Carol Lowe, CFO of Sealed Air, and you are listening to the CFO Thought Leader Podcast. This is Episode 256. As a finance leader, are you driving driving change in your organization? How are you driving change within your organization? In this episode, we speak to Mark Boothman, CFO of Kimberly Clark from 2004 to April 2016. How do you get every single person in your organization focused on the critical few things and feeling empowered to make a difference in their small team, whether you're uh, paying bills in Malaysia, or you're uh, collecting receivables in uh, in Belgium, uh, or you're driving the forecasting process in North America. You know, it's it's really trying to reach out and touch each individual in the organization. So, so that was the essence of of a power of a CFO. And I think one of the benefits I had, uh, it, sort of being in my role, was realizing it wasn't what we were working on that was as important as how we were inspiring the organization to to take ownership of their individual roles. Listen to our complete interview with Mark after these words from our sponsor. It's a question every growing business must answer. How do you scale your organization to accommodate growth while reducing risk? Sage Intech provides the instant visibility into deep operational and financial requirements that inform decision-making when scale is top of mind. By automating error-prone manual tasks and allowing your team to focus on the analysis of more accurate information, Sage Intech provides the visibility required to confidently scale your organization. Sage Intact is the only AICPA preferred provider of cloud financial management software. Hello, we're speaking with Mark Boothman, a distinguished finance leader who served as CFO of Kimberly Clark, the multinational personal care corporation for a period of 12 years up until last spring. He today serves on the board of directors for a number of different companies. Mark, welcome. Thanks, Jack. It's great to be with you. Mark, there are several aspects of your career, I think, set it apart. Uh, The first being, of course, its longevity. Twelve years is certainly an extended tour of duty for a CFO these days. And also the fact that you climbed the ranks within Kimberly-Clark over a period of 33 years, a feat of career building we seldom see anymore these days in the impatient age of uh, millennials. Finally, from what I've read and have been told, you've always championed uh, mentorship, both as a mentor and a mentee along the way. And uh, we certainly want to talk to you about that. But I'd like to begin where we always do, and that is to ask for those three career experiences that prepared you, you believe prepared you for a finance leadership role. Um, Yeah, you know, there's having worked at a company for more than 30 years, I have, I have lots of stories to share, but uh, if I step back and I think about the different opportunities, you you talked about uh, the longevity of my career. I got a chance to do many, many different things um, and had many experiences and development opportunities. I just happened to have them all at one company. um, Whereas I think a lot of people 
look at opportunities to move between companies to get those those experiences. Um, I, I often say that the the best single experience I had to prepare me to be CFO uh, was I got the chance to run a small tissue mill, a small operating facility, uh, less than 50 people. Uh, this was uh, before I became an officer. Uh, it was definitely a stretch development opportunity for me. Uh, but it was the first time that I had to lead a team and I had no, uh, none of my technical abilities applied. So uh, if you think about it, all I had was my, my charm, my wisdom, my wit to, uh, to help get this team to focus on uh, what they wanted to accomplish as a group because I had nothing sort of technically to contribute. Of course, I could have put the budget together. Um, and, and that really pushed me to think about how teams work, uh, it really crystallized in my mind uh, that the role of a leader is to get a team to where it needs to go. Uh, and you can do that without being the functional technical expert. So I, I would guess that's, that's one story I had, and it, it really uh, uh, drove home in me the importance of cross-functional development in getting ready for uh, key senior roles. And in, in fact, for finance roles in particular, running an operation, running a P&L, running a business, running a, a manufacturing facility, I think was a, a great opportunity that I got at, at Kimberly-Clark. Um, maybe another story that uh, had to do with sort of stepping up to bigger uh, responsibilities uh, was my very first board presentation. Uh, we, I was working for uh, the CFO at the time, uh, it was a development opportunity for me and uh, our CEO, a guy named Wayne Sanders. Uh, Wayne was a terrific speaker, uh, a great leader, great mentor and developer. He pulled me into his office and he said, uh, Mark, you know the key to, to uh, being uh, effective in front of the board? And I said, well, Wayne, I've never done it before, so no, I don't. He said, well, don't be boring. And uh, so I thought a little bit and I said, Wayne, I'm not exactly sure what you're <laughs> what your coaching is. And uh, he said, the key to the board, you have to remember they're not operating the business. They operate at a high level. So your rhythm in going through the presentation is one, two, move on to the next slide. One, two, move on to the next slide. As a finance leader, your instincts are going to be to give them all the facts. And it's really important when you're in the board to think about what are the two or three things that you want them to remember? Two or three, not 10 or 12. And it was a great uh, uh, piece of coaching advice for me that I think a lot of finance leaders sometimes get mixed up in the data and the, and the facts to build their case. Uh, and quite frankly, this is something I still work on uh, today. Um, if you fast forward a little bit, I got into that meeting it was a big, long boardroom, uh, and uh, as people are prone to do, I got a little nervous, and, uh, and I lost my breath. You know how that happens when you, your heart starts to race a little bit? I remember Wayne looking across from the table at me, and he just caught my eye, and he, he just gave me a little nod, which uh, helped me kind of gather myself. I took a drink of water, and I and I, and I ended up, it was actually an hour long presentation. So I had a long time to go. Uh, and at the time I thought that was the nicest thing that anybody had ever done for me. Um, 
But the, the leadership reflection uh, from that is uh, something I would call never let anybody fail on your watch. So if you think about it, um, you know, this was my first time in front of the board uh, and he was focused enough on helping me be successful um, that he, you know, he saw what I needed. He gave me the, the confidence to, uh, to sort of pursue kind of, kind of, finish and, and have that first development opportunity go my way. That's a, that's a favor I have paid forward hundreds of times. And uh, maybe to close that one out, because uh, I think that's the role of a leader, right? As you're trying to unlock the potential of people in your organization. Um, and when you retire, you get a lot of notes from people around the world. Uh, and uh, when I retired, I got a note from a young lady, she happens to be uh, Italian. Uh, and she was a person working in our shared services organization in Europe. She wrote me the nicest little note. And uh, I, I hardly remember this uh, interaction, but she was presenting to a group of us at our shared service center. And she just, she said, I remember you looking me in the eye and making yes. And uh, I thought back to uh, kind of Wayne supporting me in that, in the moment that I needed uh, and probably 20 years later, uh, having a young woman in a shared service center sort of uh, acknowledge that uh, just pay, the simple act of paying attention and wanting her to be successful had an impact on her. The cross-functional responsibility that you took on that you mentioned uh, earlier, that's a role that could have put you on a different track altogether. And I, I, I'm just curious, you stayed on the finance track all along. Were you uh, determined to stay on it, or was it just uh, sort of fate that you you landed there? No, I think it's it's fate. I actually was at that time in my career. I was looking for a cross functional move, and I always thought that I would run a business. Um, that my strength sort of resided more in leadership of people uh, than in the functional technical sort of expertise. Uh, of finance. That was kind of my vocation, but it wasn't really my aspiration. Um, and I never aspired to, uh, you know, be on the CEO's leadership team. Um, and, and I was fortunate uh, along my career to work for people who saw more potential in me than I saw in myself. And uh, they pushed me to do things that uh, were probably outside my comfort zone. Um, in this particular instance, I was looking for a cross-functional move and the organization supported that. Uh, I remember when I was offered the role of, of uh, CFO from Tom Falk, who's the current CEO of, of Kimberly Clark. Tom and I worked together for a long, long time, and we we're actually sitting in a parking lot after we'd had a, a hamburger offsite. And uh, he told me that he was going to become the next CEO of Kimberly Clark. This was probably back in uh, 2000, uh, give or take. And uh, he said, "And I'd like you to be my CFO." And I looked at him and I said, "Really?" Uh, well, you know, and, and he said, I said, can I think about it? He said, you want to think about it? And I said, well, you know, I, I never really aspired to be a CFO. I always wanted to kind of run a business. And Tom is probably the smartest, uh, business individual, one of the smartest individuals I have ever known. Uh, and he's an incredible financial mind. And I told him, you know, working as your CFO, that, that might not be that much fun every day. And uh, so anyway, I, I went home over that weekend. I, t I talked to my wife and about this dilemma. And she said, you know, 
you worked for Kimberly Clark for 20 years, uh, and you've got a chance to be one of the people around the table that helps sets the course for the next hundred years for this great company. And if Tom wants you to be his CFO and that's the role that he wants you to play, I think you ought to do it. And so that's kind of the roundabout way of how I got into that chair. Um, and, and I'd like to think, obviously, I had, I was kind of above the threshold of functional technical ability, but it, I'd actually like to think my leadership skills are what put me in the position to, uh, to become the CFO. Can you share with us some advice for finance leaders who would love to broaden themselves with that type of opportunity. And, uh, and, and again, every organization's different and every, every uh, manager is different, but would you have any advice for uh, finance leaders as to how they can um, take on those types of roles uh, to sure. broaden themselves? Sure. I, you know, I'm a, uh, I, I really love the idea of coaching and mentoring. Um, I also love the idea of personal development. And I think, I think every individual inside finance and outside of finance ought to have a personal development plan that's kind of made up of uh, a real honest self-reflection of what your strengths and your gaps are. Uh, and there should be an element of how do I leverage my strengths and how do I get better at, the, at my development opportunities? Uh, so, so I think it starts with a real honest reflection and a, a plan, a personal development that each year is, is two or three things. It's not 10. It's a couple of things that you want to improve on. Uh, and then I think you got to be a self-advocate. Um, you you got to think about, uh, as part of your personal development, what do you need to reach your aspirations? And for some people, that's a particular title or a particular role. Some people want to lead things. Some people want diverse career experiences. Uh, everybody's different, but I think that reflection about uh, your personal development plan and what your aspirations are, and then you have to be an advocate for your career. And uh, actually in, in getting ready for, for this particular role, I, I mentioned that it was a very small facility. Uh, I actually, uh, was told by a couple of people that I that I knew very well uh, that they didn't think I was ever going to make uh, the move to an operating role, uh, and that if I really wanted to do that, I had to leave Kimberly Clark. So you think about that, uh, and it, in a way, it was the best advice I ever got uh, because it gave me real clarity that to accomplish this goal, I needed to sit down and make the case why I thought I would be worth taking a chance on. I, I think most of us in our career, we have people who take chances on us. Uh, and I knew I worked for an organization that if I made my case, uh, you know, the facility I ended up running wasn't a thousand people, you know, it was 50. Um, but for me, it was the first, it was that first move. And, and I ended up having a great conversation with uh, a leader at Kimberly Clark that, that took a chance on me. Uh, and put me in a position to develop myself and, and to be successful. So I think it's a combination of uh, your personal development plan and, and being a, a real constructive advocate for your career. So along the way, uh, on the path to being a CFO, you came forward with uh, sort of a concept or, or a way of uh, sort of helping the organization understand better the role of finance. And I, I want to call it the power of, of a CFO. 
Um, but maybe I would love to hear from you in your own words what exactly uh, that concept was and, and what you hope to achieve with it. Sure. And, and I'll, I'll kind of hit the, the bottom line, which is uh, as a leader in an organization, you, you can't touch everyone. And, uh, you know, over time, I kind of realized that to reach our potential as an organization, people needed to have clear direction and they needed to feel empowered. Um, which you'll read that a lot in business books, but actually translating that into action in an organization uh, is, is a real challenge. And for me, having been the CFO for, for 12 years, uh, you have a chance to reflect, and, and in a way you have to eat your own cooking, right? And for me, this, this started with a project we called World Class Finance. Uh, that was a project that I led as part of my development opportunity to become a CFO, uh, and five or six years into my role as CFO, I pulled that material out and the material, uh, if you looked at it as probably 10 years later, the things that we needed to do were exactly the same. We needed to have better forecasting. We needed more efficient, a more efficient organization. We needed to put shared services in place. We needed to enable ourselves with technology, but even after 10 years, we still had the same basic game plan and it caused me to reflect that um, we're working on all these activities, but we still haven't unlocked. I just felt like our organization had more to give. We have fantastic people. We've made a lot of systems investments and it caused me to think about how do we unlock the potential of the organization? I got two pieces of feedback from, two of my leaders, uh, one of which is retired and one of which has gone on to uh, become a CFO at another company. Uh, and the two pieces of advice were, one, uh, Mark, you need to focus. I was constantly a, an idea generator of opportunities to improve. And he would always ask me, what are your three things? And of course, I didn't have three things. I had 12 things that we could do. And over time, I kind of narrowed that down uh, to wanting everybody in the organization to do three things. Uh, I wanted people to uh, come into work every day and inspire each other to be their best. I'm a big believer in inspiring your team members uh, or building the talent of people around you. Of course, leaders should do that. But I think in teams, if you've ever gotten feedback from a team member that said you did a great job, there is no better compliment in the world. Um, the next thing I wanted everybody to come to work every day, driving results at the end of the day, everybody in an organization, but particularly in finance, you gotta be focused on driving results. And oftentimes you can think about process improvement, but not connect it to driving a better business result. And I wanted everybody to drive business results. Uh, and lastly, I wanted everybody to come to work every day and think, how can I do something a little bit better every day? Uh, and that came sort of, down to three things, inspire, drive, and transform. Inspire, drive, and transform. Uh, then I had another one of my, so those were my three things. Like if I could just communicate to every single person in the organization what I wanted them to do, it was those three. Then I had another leader uh, who was a terrific young top talent, a guy named Steve Voskel. Steve was the CFO of international business and he said, Mark, I took your inspired drive and transform and I've turned it in. Let me show you this presentation I gave to the team. 
and it was called The Power of a Thousand CFOs. So he had taken this simple concept and he used it to try to communicate to his organization, which was happened to be about a thousand people around the world. And he said, I, I thought, what if we could have every single person in my organization think like a CFO? And he called it the power of a thousand CFOs. And that really caught my attention and he'd gotten a lot of positive feedback. Well, then of course, everybody else wanted to use it. And they wanted to turn it, I had about 2,400 people in the organization. And of course, someone being finance guys, they said, we should call it the power of 2,400 CFOs, which made no sense at all. And, uh, and over time, through some feedback, we distilled it down to the power of a CFO, which is all about how do you get every single person in your organization focused on the critical few things and feeling empowered to make a difference in their small team, whether you're uh, paying bills in Malaysia or you're uh, collecting receivables in, uh, in Belgium uh, or you're driving the forecasting process in North America. You know, it's, it's really trying to reach out and touch each individual in the organization. So, so that was the essence of, of a power of a CFO. And I think one of the benefits I had uh, it, it, sort of being in my role was realizing it wasn't, what we were working on that was as important as how we were inspiring the organization to, to take ownership of their individual roles. There's an, Another period in your career that I read a little bit about online, which had to do uh, with uh, sort of a, a retirement of uh, top uh, senior executives at Kimberly Clark, and I believe this was about 2009, um, where uh, there was a perhaps a retirement package put on the table, and and many of the senior officers took it, and what this created was uh, sort of a an opportunity for so many of you who were counted among the senior executives there. But can you step back in time with us and explain a little bit about, uh, reflect a little bit about that period and how it might have challenged you as well as some of the other uh, top top executives at Kimberly Clark? Sure, sure. It's it's a uh, an interesting period, and I think people sometimes forget how uh, dire the economic circumstances and the financial markets were back in 2009. And and uh, it manifested itself in a lot of ways. But for Kimberly Clark, uh, we had a restructuring, which is uh, one of the most difficult uh, decisions you have to make as a senior leader. And you have great influence over it uh, as a CFO. And we decided to uh, to offer an early retirement package, which we hadn't done before. Um, and if I, if I back up from that just a little bit, uh, you know, I became CFO when I was 42 years old and uh it was a it was a real stretch assignment for me, and I was fortunate to inherit uh, a leadership team that was absolutely top notch, uh, seasoned veterans in controllership, in treasury, in tax, in uh, business CFO leadership, in in IT, which I had responsible for. And as a young CFO, uh, that group was kind of like a warm blanket, right? They they were not going to let me fail. And uh, it was a, a tremendous asset for people that had worked uh, for a long, long time at Kimberly Clark. And, and it really gave me comfort that I could be successful. Well, if you fast forward six or seven years, we're in 2009. 
we offer an early retirement package. And one by one, each of these individuals that had been with me on this journey came to me and said, Mark, I want to spend more time with my family as a golden opportunity and I'm ready to retire. We were very fortunate that we had succession plans because each of these individuals were uh, in their 50s, early 60s. Um, We knew that this moment was coming. I didn't realize that eight of these individuals were going to all retire in August of 2009. (laughs) And uh, I think I, I lost about 200 years of leadership experience in a single month. And, uh, and the good news is we had uh, individuals for every single role ready uh, and waiting to step into their roles. What I learned from that, uh, and you can imagine, I was really nervous to start. Uh, and I, I would say over the next six months, things didn't go perfectly. Uh, we missed some deadlines. Uh, we had some hiccups along the way. Uh, but what started to emerge was a lot of really fresh thinking. And I think as an example, I think at the time it took us uh, seven or eight days to close the books at, uh, at Kimberly Clark and which was probably about median. And, and we tried to make that, that move. Uh, every CFO wants to accelerate their closing process. And we just hadn't really been able to crack that nut. Well, a, a year later, uh, we were closing the books in four or five days. We'd cut the number of days to close in half. Now, we'd had some hiccups along the way um, and had always made our, our external reporting deadlines. We'd never missed a beat in terms of reporting earnings. Um, but the appetite for change with that next generation of leaders uh, was just tremendous. And, uh, you know, so I, I learned the value of experience when I, from the team that I inherited. But I also really learned a valuable lesson about diversity and fresh thinking. And I, I really believe that Fresh eyes on old problems is what drives innovation. And uh, as I kind of managed the organization from that point forward, I I knew that we needed to have some velocity in the organization to constantly balance depth of knowledge on the leadership team and experience uh, with fresh thinking. And I think that probably made our organization uh, a little bit nervous to start, but that balance uh, of experience and fresh eyes, uh, I think, is really a hallmark of a, of a good, strong leadership team. love to explore with you a little bit about how you uh, built your team over time and how you hired. Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of things. One is, you, you know, you have to have a real base, a strong base set of skills. I, I once had a boss. Uh, tell me, you know, you can't teach smarts. And uh, so there, there is a basic functional technical ability and track record of performance uh, that every single person has to cross. Uh, on the other hand, uh, as you get to be a senior leader, you don't necessarily have to be the smartest person in the room. And in fact, you probably want to look for people that uh, – are just exceptional at things that you aren't as good at. So, um, you know, one is a basic, solid, functional, technical foundation. Uh, I think you look for people with strengths, uh, both in leadership styles, uh, but also in functional technical capabilities that you don't have. I didn't grow up as a CPA. I didn't grow up as a, as a capital markets expert. I didn't grow up filing tax returns and So those key roles, I needed people that were really exceptional there. I think the other thing 
a way to really distinguish people uh, in senior leadership roles is whether they build talent. Um, to me, that's a, a hallmark of an exceptional leader. And when I say you're a great talent builder, it's really two things. Uh, one is that people that have you have developed in your organization have gone on to do really great things. And number two, people inside or outside of the organization, even if they've never met you, aspire to work for you. Okay, if you think about what a great talent builder is, uh, people think, hey, I want to go work for that person. And maybe I only know them by reputation. And I think exceptional leaders uh, – almost by definition are great talent builders. And I think that can be a real differentiator. Um, and you can be a real talent builder in functional technical areas. Uh, my head of tax was Margaret Curry. Uh, she's gone on to work at John Deere and, and Margaret, uh, as a functional technical tax leader was just an exceptional builder of talent and both cultivating internal talent and then bringing in external talent to bring this sort of fresh perspective to the team. And, and uh, so, so that's, that's probably something I look for to, uh, to differentiate people. I think lastly, um, I, really became, I really came to appreciate the value of diversity on a team. Uh, but as you create diverse teams, you have to have everybody bring a constructive perspective. It's, it's not enough to just bring a different perspective uh, that distracts the team from a common goal. You've got to have people that bring different perspectives, different backgrounds, uh, different perspectives, whether it's ethnicity or gender or, or whatever. Um, you've got to have people that bring that in a way that makes the team better. And sort of exploring that uh, different ways of thinking and asking people how they applied that to make a team better and deliver a better result. Is, uh, is something I look for, always look for in, uh, in building talent. Now, you've emphasized as a, as, a, as a CFO who was rather young when they entered the office, there were other senior leaders uh, with more years of experience around you, and that was highly invaluable uh, to you. Uh, but curious as to, as a finance leader, when you reflect on finance leadership, is there something that sets it apart from those other business leaders that you learned from along the way? Is there something about finance leadership that has to be unique? Yeah, I think, uh, I think a couple of things. I, I, I think fundamentally the role of, of finance is to bring an independent economic perspective to any business decision. And uh, you have the ability, whether it's marketing operations, planning, uh, you know, external relations, um, you have the ability to frame it and, and help shape the business case. And we've all been in situations where everybody's gut instinct feels like there's an action that we need to take, which often is right. Um, but I think the role of a finance leader can be to crystallize that and think about what problem are we trying to solve and what result are we trying to achieve? Uh, and then you can help hold the organization uh, accountable for that. I think the other thing is oftentimes the, the finance role, you touch almost every organization. Well, in fact, you do. It's probably the only function other than the CEO that touches every organization. So you have a real valuable lateral view of the organization and how 
inner relationships work. So you can be a real coach uh, and facilitator for the organization to try to bring people to back to a common goal. Uh, because oftentimes in an organization, there's conflicts that, that happen and, and you can be a, a real source for, for focus and synergy, uh, in an organization. And you can do it, uh, with a kind of an independent, uh, point of view. Um, and I would like to think, you know, in my impact on Kimberly Clark, it was as much about, uh, bringing organizations and the leadership team together as it was about really unique and uh, kind of breakthrough financial thinking. So, so I think you can be sort of a, a facilitator. And I think lastly, especially as a CFO, and it, it can be whether you're a CFO of a business unit or a CFO of an enterprise, um, you should be a, uh, a safe sounding board for the business leader that you're supporting. And you can be the one that comes in, closes the door and say, you know, I think I have a different perspective um, or I think you're headed down the wrong path or I think you should push harder uh, or I think there's a tough decision we need to make or uh, I know you're having a, t you know, I know this is a difficult decision for, I want to support you and, and let you know that you're doing the right thing. Um, that may be the single most important uh, uh, role that a, that a CFO has uh, in an organization. So you really have to have, um, good experience, but you also have to have, uh, that, you know, you have to build real trusting relationships. So, so I would say those three things, bring an independent economic perspective, uh, be the, be the, uh, the grease that, that helps the gears of an organization come together. Uh, and then to be that, that, partner to whoever the business person you're supporting. And, and sometimes to do that, I, I oftentimes, even if, if everybody was totally aligned, I'd be the voice to say, well, what if, uh, just to make sure we'd thoroughly evaluated a, a particular decision. So I, so I really think the, uh, the CFOs and the finance organization in a, in a, uh, in any company has a really unique and valuable role to play. Do you have a, is there a personal habit you believe's contributed to your professional success? You know, I, I have a, someone asked me what my leadership philosophy was uh, at one time. And, and uh, it boils down to working hard and being nice. And so I have a sign in my office that says work hard and be nice. And, and it doesn't mean necessarily hours in the day, but I, I think the two elements are you got to put forth your very best effort. Um, your very best uh, business performance, no matter what project you're faced with. Um, and it means your best effort in developing yourself and trying to improve the impact that you have on an organization and the people around you. So that's when I say work hard, I mean, bringing your very best effort and being nice is about doing the right thing. Um, I have many examples uh, of, it's easy when you're accelerating someone's uh, career through an organization, but you can be nice and tell someone that they no longer have a role to play in your organization and bring in a perspective that you're doing things that is in the organization's best interest uh, and always coming at things uh, with a genuine desire to make an organization or to make people 
to make people better and to, to bring out their best. I think the combination of those two things are things that I've uh, always tried to live by and, and tried to uh, live up to over my career. Mark, would you have a book you'd recommend to aspiring finance leaders? Boy, that's a great question. Um, I would say that there's a book that, that a boss gave me years ago called The Celestine Prophecy. Uh, it's a, by a guy named James Redfield, and it's a, it's a parable about the power of uh, being a, a positive influence on those around you and how uh, some people have, and there are many people in the world that sort of uh, kind of make themselves better by uh, making other people feel worse or keeping them down. And it's about uh, the challenge and how hard it can be to be a positive influence, but uh, how much better you and the world around you can be with, with that positive uh, attitude and the real belief uh, that that is ultimately a, a better way to do things. So it's a, it's a very easy read. Um, it uh, probably has a little bit of a religious undertone, but uh, that's one that really uh, had a positive impact on me and sort of helped shape my, uh, my belief in, uh, in how to lead. Thought Leader listeners, don't go anywhere. We have more of our interview after these words from our sponsor. You want smart, clear, and honest guidance to help you meet the financial goals of your middle market business. With U.S. Bank, you have a partner who will help you find the right solutions to help your organization reduce payment costs, enhance control, improve cash flow, and expand your spend visibility. U.S. Bank's dedication to making ethical decisions and doing the right thing is at the heart of what they do, and their efforts haven't gone unnoticed. They've been named a 2017 World's Most Ethical Company for the third consecutive year by the Ethisphere Institute. To learn more, visit uspayment.com slash middle market. curious about uh, the businesses you're serving as a director on their boards today. I, are they different size businesses? And I find a lot of CFOs enjoy the uh, entrepreneurial challenges, even though they come from large corporate environments, which I, I always think is kind of interesting. Um, and I'm wondering if it gets allows you to scratch that itch as well. Uh, sure. Well, my, well, my, my board roles, uh, I'm on uh, one board. It's West Pharmaceutical. Uh, it's a mid-cap. Uh, they make drug containment and delivery devices, which is, requires a long explanation. But uh, the other one is IDEX uh, Corporation, uh, and they're, a, uh, they're in the business of making pumps, valves, and meters in highly specialized ways. Um, and uh, if you step back and you think about it, I joined uh, West as part of my personal development plan. Uh, I worked for a guy in Tom Falk who always pushed me to – develop myself and uh, to push myself into, into new areas. And one of the things growing up inside a single organization, I needed some diversity of experience. So that first board role uh, was really pushing me to, uh, to step into a different kind of business and also look at the business from the role of a board member versus the role of management. So, so it was a real uh, key element of my personal development plan that was encouraged uh, really, really much encouraged by my boss. Both of these companies uh, are very interesting. They're they're extremely well run. 
they have terrific cultures that are totally focused on doing the right thing. Um, and they really hold themselves accountable, whether it's safety, uh, ethics, uh, the health and welfare of their employees, managing talent. They're both, I've just been, I've learned so much and, and, uh, and really respect the way that they run their businesses and, and the quality of the individuals around the board room table. Uh, I've, I, I'd like to think I've contributed, but I've also learned so much from, from those individuals. Um, they're both mid cap companies. Kimberly Clark was a, was a large cap company. Uh, they both have much smaller businesses than Kimberly Clark did. So, I, I wouldn't necessarily uh, hold them out as entrepreneurial uh, uh, organizations, but the nature of their businesses are quite different. So it really pushed my my comfort zone to get into businesses that I wasn't as familiar with, um, and uh, and it's really been a, a lot of fun. I've uh, again, I've, I'd like to think that I've contributed, but I've also learned a, a great deal. It's a great been a great development experience for me. Our final question. It's come too soon, Mark. What's one thing that's exciting you about finance and business today? You know, the the nature of finance uh, and the digitization of information uh, has dramatically changed the role of uh, the CFO and of the finance organization. And, and we can really, we really have an opportunity to synthesize a variety of information. Uh, people down in an organization have so much access to information that they never had before. 20 years ago, the CFO, the only place information together came together was right at the top of an organization. So the role of the CFO was really as a decision maker, an integrator. Well, today, Oftentimes, the CFO doesn't have the best available information, right? That information is, is down in an organization. And in finance is the one place where that all comes together. And you, there's such a great opportunity for a finance organization to have be a positive influence on, on strategy, on individual decision-making, uh, to be a driver, a synthesizer, a challenger, uh, and, and really have an influence. And, you know, we don't have to be a policeman anymore. I see our role much more as a coach and a teacher, uh, you know, a shaper and a developer rather than, uh, I think in the old days, it used to be an obstacle that the organization kind of sometimes tried to work around to, to get things done. So I, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful time to uh, to be a finance individual. I think the skill sets you you learn uh, as a as a finance person can uh, can really help an organization. It can set you up to be really whatever you want to be. It can be a good underpinning to be a marketer, a CEO, uh, you know, an IT executive, whatever it is you you want to be. So I I think it's a great time to be a a, uh, a finance leader. Mark Boothman, thank you for joining us on CFO Thought Leader. Thanks, Jack. It's great to spend time with you. Hi, it's Jack. At CFO Thought Leader, we're interested in hearing from you. 
we want to find out what you would like to hear more of or less of. And so we've created an ever-so-short survey in order to learn from you. The survey is now available right on CFOThoughtLeader.com's homepage. It's open to career finance executives of every rank. Meanwhile, it's that time of year again. CFO Appreciation Day is quickly approaching, and we are once more firing up our kiln and making our CFO Thought Leader Mug 2019 edition available to survey takers who enlist two or more of their finance team members to complete the survey. We'll mail you our also coveted CFO Thought Leader Mug at zero cost. So visit us at cfothoughtleader.com and give us an earful. We would greatly appreciate it. Some rules and restrictions may apply. Thank you.